Hey y'all, and welcome back to This Is Your Life podcast, a podcast all about how to become the best version of you, finding who you really are, improving yourself, feeding your soul, and exploring new ways to grow in each area of your life. How has your week been? I said this last week, but I am currently pre-recording a couple episodes, so I personally don't have a big week update since this was recorded before when you're actually hearing this, but I hope that your week was fabulous. Even though this is recorded in the future, I can tell you a couple things that I know I will have done, and that is loving on my pups and my kitten. I probably ate some amazing food, as I usually do, and I probably shopped for Christmas presents, but I will update you guys more on that as we get closer to the day, because not to brag or anything, but I am actually pretty amazing at buying gifts. I don't know why it's a talent of mine, but it has been. So I will share all of my little gift guides with you guys if you think that'll be fun. But let's get into this week's episode. This episode is all about dealing with and handling stress. When feeling stress is a good thing, when it's a bad thing, and different techniques to help cope with stress. Because let's be honest, 2020 has been a very stressful year for pretty much all of us. So there are actually two different types of stress. Eustress, meaning positive stress, and distress, meaning negative stress. Now if that statement surprised you, don't feel alone, because the words positive and stress next to each other sounds like an oxymoron. But it's true. Stress isn't always a negative thing. Stress is simply the body's response to changes in our environment. And think about it. We don't always respond negatively to changes. Some of those responses can be positive, and that's eustress. We can identify eustress through certain characteristics, like eustress motivates or focuses our energy, it's short-term, and it's perceived as within our coping capabilities. It feels exciting, and it improves our performance. For example, moving to a new house. You are super excited about the move. The new house is exactly what you are looking for. The move itself is only about a two to three week long process. Getting everything packed up, moving locations, and then unpacking the new house and getting that new couch you wanted. You're a little stressed because moving can be expensive and takes a lot of energy and time, but you are overall excited. This is a positive stressor. Other examples can be switching to a new job, getting a dog or a cat, getting married, having a baby, accomplishing one of your goals, playing in a baseball game. All of these scenarios are exciting, but also cause some stress on the body, but not so intense that we can't handle what is happening. And then that's when distress come in, comes in. Distress has its own characteristics to help us identify it. It causes anxiety, it is generally unpleasant, it can be long-term or short-term, it decreases our performance, and it is considered outside of our coping capabilities. For example, distress can be losing your job, ending a relationship, breaking a bone, death of a family member, sleep problems, mental health issues, anything of that sort. Stress is the response we have to the events or changes occurring around us. Stressors are the events or changes themselves, and there are two different categories of stressors, external and internal stressors. 
External stressors are all of the previous examples I've given, something that's happening externally to us. Internal stressors are happening within us, like our thoughts and feelings. This could be our fears, worrying about the future, attempting to be perfect, or procrastination. Even though stressors can be caused by irrational thoughts, our own habitual patterns, other people, chance, or our own actions, all of these stressors have something in common, causing our minds minds and bodies to react to them, causing us to feel stress. Now, I really quickly want to touch on why it's so important that we talk about how to handle stress. In 2007, the Stress in America survey was conducted by the American Psychological Association. On a 10-point scale, on average, U.S. adults rated their stress related to the pandemic as a 5.9, and overall general stress as a 5.4, and that's compared to the 4.9 average in 2009. This is the first time we're seeing a significant rise in stress average since this survey was born in 2007. And the average stress levels for parents in 2020 is a 6.7, with 40%, 46% of those parents reading their stress level between an 8 and a 10. In the UK, an online poll was taken by YouGov. It's the largest known study of stress levels in the UK. And this poll found that in the past year, 74% of people felt such a high amount of stress that they felt they could not cope or handle it. Distress can lead to physical effects such as diabetes, depression, anxiety, heart problems, sleep problems, chest pain, and so much more. Continual stress, chronic stress, doesn't just take a toll on our minds, but it's taking a toll on our bodies as well. With so many factors contributing to this high stress response, like the fear of COVID-19 itself, effects of the pandemic, job loss, increase in domestic violence, as well as the increase in civil unrest. Current generations are having to plow through mounds of stress and the health effects from them like never before. So it is so important that we talk about it and we learn to deal with it the best we can and slowly but surely we can heal from it. So one of the characteristics of distress is that it is out of our coping, it's out of our realm of coping capabilities, abilities. This doesn't mean that we can't work through it. It just means that it's going to take a little bit of work. It's just not going to come naturally to you. When it comes to distress, I want to talk about it as if there are three stages to your stress. Stage one is the initial stress, i.e. the moment you find out you've been laid off or the surprise bill shows up or your test grade gets posted. That initial oh no moment, possibly a moment of panic. You aren't sure what to do and your whole body responds to the event. Similar to a moment of fight or flight, your heart rate speeds up as well as your breathing. Maybe your hands get a little sweaty and you can't think straight for a moment. Stage two is when that stressor begins to set in more. This stage can last for a while or even just an hour or so depending on the lifespan of the stressor. You're sitting at home thinking about what your mom might say when she sees your grade, how you're going to pay rent if you've lost your job. All of the after effects are setting in. You're physically calmer, but you are almost in a constant state of stress. And stage three is handling the situation. Now, we're actually going to talk today um, about how to begin coping and processing our stress in stage two and how to reach stage three quicker, more effectively and more efficiently.
We have to choose fight over flight because at the end of the day, the fight will come back to us and find us. And let me tell you, life punches a lot harder when you've been running from it. When you make that decision to finally deal with the problem, to find a solution, there is such a weight lifted off your shoulders, almost as if you can breathe again. So tip number one is facing the problem head on and doing this as soon as you can. If you need to take a day or a week or however long to recover from that initial shock in stage one, take your time, but we don't want to sit in stage two just to sit there, just because we are scared of the future or of what might happen. I want to make it clear that if the stressor you are dealing with is losing a loved one, grieving is stage three. When you are grieving, you are letting your body and mind process that information and kind of deal with it. Grieving has its own stages, but I don't want anyone to associate that with stage two and feel like they need to get over a death quickly. It's important that we deal with these events in our own time, but we aren't abusing that time forgiveness for ourselves just because we don't want to work through the problem. It may surprise some of you that I want to talk about stage three instead of stage three, but when you think about it, stage three tends to be more specific to the stressor. For example, studying harder for the next test to get a better grade. But stage two is a little bit more generalized in the sense of feeling that stress physically and mentally and what we can do to help with that part of it. These techniques are to help you process the information in front of you, help you calm down, and prepare you to move on to stage three to specifically handle your stressor. First is finding ways to help you relax physically, bringing down that initial response of higher heart rate, breathing, and blood pressure. This could be taking a bath, working out, or taking a nap. Physically, your body will feel relaxed, muscles releasing tension, taking deep breaths, unclenching your jaw even. Relaxing your body will in turn relax your mind. Taking a bath can be helpful, especially if you can add in some Epsom salt or an essential oil like lavender. Losing yourself in the warm water, allowing yourself to embody that floating feeling for a while, pampering your body. Even if you find your mind wandering for a while in the beginning, as your body relaxes farther and farther, the mind will follow. Turning on a slow, easy playlist and drowning in the music. Taking a nap has a similar effect, as you may realize once you fully immerse yourself in that bed that you are physically and mentally drained. Continually being stressed can cause a lot of damage to the body, exhausting you of all energy which you may not even realize until you relax. If you have the ability to even sleep in a little later that next morning, you may find that it does wonders for your thoughts and for your physical being. Now, working out may seem crazy to some people as a technique to relax, but working out actually releases endorphins. And you can think of endorphins as natural painkillers in the body. Being able to run the stress, run out the stress in your body, or even punch it into a punching bag can be such a release for some people. In an opposite way to feeling drained before taking a nap, you may not realize how much pent-up energy you have until you begin releasing that energy. Similar to not realizing how tense you are before a massage until they start actually working those out. Working out can actually help with sleep problems as well. So if you tried taking a nap but found that you were too wound up to sleep, a workout might help with both your stress and getting a good night's sleep. Even just a five minute run can give you those benefits. There's actually a lot more that it'll also give you, but we're focusing on stress here. 
Next is working on the mental toll distress can take and what we can do to relieve it. I have found something as simple as going for a drive can help, as well as more in-depth techniques such as journaling, reading a book, meditating, or working on a project. I have always loved going for a drive when I'm stressed. Window down, I don't care how cold it is. Sad music flowing through the car. Again, I'm the queen of sad music. I can literally be in the happiest mood and still listen to depressing music all day, but that's just me. And a nice long winding road will do the trick. No direction, no destination, just driving. By the end, I feel like a whole new person. I find being concentrated on the road, in addition to paying attention to the current song playing, is enough to push my worries out of my brain, even if just for a little while. Or maybe I even cry and let it all out for a bit. It's up to me and what my body and mind need. And when I'm in my car, there is no existing world around me. My Acura and I are alone to do as we please. Now, I understand that going for a drive is not for everyone. Heck, driving may even be one of your stressors. So something more static may be a good idea. Journaling or meditating are always a yes in my book. You may find that you can think of about the positives in your life or of your day, but at the bare minimum, allowing your mind to stop racing and slow down is helpful. Guided meditations can be extremely useful in this type of situation, as your thought processes are guided, giving you a little less room to wander off back to your stressor, keeping you more in line with the goal of the meditation. Hearing someone else's voice may also be very soothing to you, encouraging your body to relax as well. Using positive affirmations within the meditation may prepare you to move on to stage three, and it may boost your confidence, the amount that you need to accomplish the solution. Journaling can give a similar effect, but you have a little bit more freedom than a guided meditation. You can either focus on happenings or positivities in your life, of your day, or you can write about the stressor itself and set your thoughts and upcoming actions into order. These last two techniques I want to talk about are ones that are geared more towards distraction. Distracting your mind to allow yourself to come down from the initial stress and relax. Unwind a little bit. First is to read a book. Personally, I would recommend a book in the realm of fiction, fantasy, sci-fi, anything you can truly lose yourself in. Find yourself in another world and just read. If another type of book is your thing, then do that, but use this technique to sit in your favorite seat in the house, cuddle up with a thick, fluffy blanket, and become the character in the book. Even listening to an audiobook while you cook dinner or clean your house. Similar to reading a book, watching a movie may be the distraction you need, or try working on a project for a while. This could be painting, or building that bookcase you've been meeting to, maybe put up your Christmas tree. Focus on something else for a while to clear your mind. Give yourself a break, and it may surprise you what solutions you may come up with. Similar to when you take a long hot shower and you have all these revelations. Now again, distractions are helpful, but they're not meant to be used over and over and over to prevent you from dealing with the issue at hand. At the end of the day, our goal is to help ourselves move to stage three so we can move on from the stressor itself. But if you're like me, you may be someone who worries about a problem so much that they almost can't think straight and they need to be distracted for a while and then return back to it later. If this is where you find yourself, 
It may be a good idea to initially use a distraction to calm down and relax and then move on to an activity like journaling or meditating to begin to work through your emotions and thoughts and process it all. The great thing about all of these tools is that they can be used in combination with one another. Maybe you try taking a bath while listening to an audiobook, or after taking a quick drive or a nap, sitting down and meditating or writing in your journal. If you can pair one to help relax your body and one to help relax your mind, you're going to find yourself in pretty good shape. Distress is stress that is outside of our coping capabilities, but that doesn't mean we can't cope with these stressors. It just means we need to really work at it and actively work at it. I do want to take a moment to mention that if you find yourself chronically stressing, whether it feels like everything in your life is too stressful to handle or the same stressor keeps popping up over and over, therapy is an amazing tool and option to explore. Personally, I think we could all use a little therapy, but especially in a scenario where it is feeling too stressful. Meeting with a therapist can truly make a difference in your life, and I highly recommend giving it a chance. Please don't feel like you need to tackle everything on your own. These techniques are meant to help deal with mental stress we are having in our lives, but they are not a solution to everything. And sometimes events occur in our lives that need even more attention and more than just one person can give. I will link in the show notes some resources for those of you who might not have a therapist easily accessible to them, such as a hotline and an online therapy resource. I encourage you all to check it out and share it with those around you as you may never know who is struggling, especially in times like this. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode. Feel free to come back and listen again at any point you feel like you may need some support with anything going on in your life. I will be linking in the show notes resources for this episode, a calming playlist to listen to, a stress-related guided meditation, and I created some journal prompts for you all to work with. Please go follow and like my new Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash thisisyourlifepodcast. And if you have any suggestions or requests for episode topics, you can email me at thisisyourlifepodcast at gmail.com. And remember guys, this is your life.